Hi, this is Steve with Thresher Media Group. Welcome to When You're Ready to Listen. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the truth about God, things you may not have understood, may not have been taught, or quite frankly, had a very hard time believing. And since our entire relationship with God rests on believing, it is important we learn how to separate the truth from the many lies and fictions that abound within the religion of Christianity. So when you're ready to listen, tune in and discover a pathway to freedom, encouragement, life, and hope. Before we begin, I just want to give you a quick reminder. I've published a book entitled Liberating the Book of Revelation, Returning to the Source of the Message. Liberating the Book of Revelation is intended to help us all know what the Spirit said and how we said it. This book, however, is focused not so much on interpreting the Book of Revelation, That is what this podcast is for, but on accurately representing the book of Revelation in the manner in which the Spirit originally spoke it to John. I encourage you to go to Amazon.com and you can find the book either under the title, Liberating the Book of Revelation, Returning to the Source of the Message, or by my name as the author, Stephen Villanueva. It's available in hardback, paperback, and ebook format. I'm also currently working on the Audible version, so more to come. Episode 116, Revelation 13, verse 18. In our last podcast, we addressed the scary truth that even now, every moment of now, the second beast is causing people to be getting their mark on either their forehand or their right hand. This mark is comprised of either the name or the number of the name of the beast, 666. Despite the fictional tales, this is not an event on which we are waiting until the end times to occur. It is happening now. It is a spiritual mark, not an implantable chip. (laughs) And this spiritual mark is clearly seen by those in the unseen realms. Once marked, a person is doomed to face the wrath of God, for it is an indelible mark that cannot be removed, hidden, or altered. It is a mark that does not discriminate between the rich or the poor, the great or the small, and it is a mark that identifies that a person has bought into the system of the beast. So let's pick back up with Revelation 13, 18, and the wisdom that is needed to understand this number, the number of his name, Revelation 13, 18. Here now is wisdom. He who is now having understanding has been commanded to calculate the number of the beast. For the number now is that of a man, and his number, 666. Here now is wisdom. We are already given the number of the beast, 666. So, what is there to calculate? We are also told that the number is that of a man, and we know that according to the code, the number 6 is the number of man or mankind. In addition, the Spirit gives a command to calculate. Calculate is rendered as an imperative, but he also limits the command to only those who are now having understanding. Apparently, he does not intend that everyone calculate the number. Then he prefaces it all with, here now is wisdom. The Spirit uses this type of language only one other time, and that is in an equally challenging passage in which it seems that most people miss its meaning and fail to understand what the Spirit is communicating. In Revelation 17, 9, the Spirit explains the meaning of the seven heads of the beast, 
the seven heads which were given to the beast by the dragon. And he prefaces it with the statement, here now is the mind that is now having wisdom. So what does it mean to have wisdom? The word wisdom is used a total of four times in Revelation. In addition to this passage and the one mentioned in Revelation 17.9, the other two speak of the accolades given to the Lamb by the angels, the four living creatures around the throne, and the 24 elders. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is worthy of all the wisdom he possesses. As used across the Codex, however, it seems that wisdom is not just about possessing knowledge of facts or figures, nor is it necessarily about application of that knowledge. Rather, it is much more about understanding, or better yet, a spiritual awakening to what the Spirit of God is communicating about a matter. In other words, wisdom can be likened to the one who is now having ears to hear what the Spirit now says to the churches. Clearly, the letters to the seven churches were written to the entire church of Jesus Christ, to those who physically received the letters, as well as to all of us throughout the centuries who identify ourselves with Christ and who read and study those letters. Yet the Spirit was clear that not all would have or are having the spiritual enlightenment, the ears to hear what the Spirit now says to the churches. The wisdom which God possesses is only obtained through the unfolding of that wisdom by the Spirit into our hearts and minds. Therefore, the implication is that not all who read this text in 1318 or study the numbers will be able to fulfill the command to calculate the number. Many will try, and clearly many have tried, but only those who are now having understanding. Only those who have wisdom can truly obey the command. That is a very intimidating and humbling truth. We must keep this in mind as we exercise the wisdom which we have been given and venture to calculate the number. The command. The command is to calculate, count, or literally use pebbles to discern the number of the beast. Some have approached this as trying to find the numbers that, when added together, equal the sum of 666 as in the MasterCard and Visa calculation examples I gave last week. The Codex, however, gives us a different approach to understanding this number and its composition. And the clues are found in each component of this mystical number. Thus, reaching into the Codex, we will dive into our calculation of each six in the number 666. The number of man. For the number now is that of a man. According to the Code, Six is the number of man because man was created on the sixth day. Similarly, according to the law, man was permitted to work for six days, but the seventh was to be a Sabbath. Crops were grown for six years, but in the seventh year, the land was laid to rest. Hence, the number six is attached to the affairs of mankind. From the perspective of the Codex, however, six always falls short of seven, the number of completion. Thus, six used three times, 666, is a picture of man attempting really, really, really hard to rise above his limitations to perfection, as three is the number of perfection. However, regardless of the noble attempt, six always falls short of seven and is never enough. It is never complete, no matter how many times it is used. Thus, this number indicates that man is always perfectly incomplete. Being marked may seem like a fast track to victory in this world, to resources and access to buy and sell and so on, 
to spiritual enlightenment, but it will always leave a person perfectly incomplete. Now, since the number of mankind is used to communicate something to us about the character and nature of the beast, we can understand it to mean that the attributes that are identified by each six will be how the beast and his kingdom is experienced in our physical realm, in the realm of mankind. The number, not the name. As we learn, the second beast acts so that no one might now be caused to buy or sell, except the one who is now having the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Clearly, the name of the beast is important as some people bear or identify with the name of the destroyer or destruction. But this calculation is about the number of the beast, for the number now is that of a man. Errantly believing that the mark is a physical mark, the beast is a reference to a man and not to an angelic being, too many people have spent far too much time trying to determine the identity of the beast by doing 666 calculations with people's names instead of understanding what this number reveals to us about the beast. For example, one of the most popular calculations is where they take an aberrant version of the name Nero, then calculate its number in Hebrew, not even in Greek, and they come to 666. They then declare that Nero will be resurrected from the dead and lead the revised Roman Empire, or that the Antichrist has already come in the form of Nero, and we're now all living in post-apocalyptic days, the Millennial Kingdom. This calculation is as ludicrous as the ones for MasterCard and Visa. This passage is not about discovering the name. This wisdom is about understanding what is pictured by the number. Besides, we already know his name. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, or destruction. And his name in Greek is Apollyon, or destroyer. 666 is the number of this man. The number which defines this man. Old Testament analysis. In the Codex, there are two distinct and explicit uses of the number 666. And with their associated passages, we can calculate the meaning of the number by examining each of the three core tenets of 666. The first instance of 666 comes from the book of Daniel and the story about the abomination or the gold statue which King Nebuchadnezzar built. It was 66 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. 666. This abomination was built to elicit the worship of a man, as well as the demonic powers behind the man. If anyone refused to worship this golden image, they would be thrown into the furnace of fire. Daniel chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. To you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, at that time, when all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshiped the golden image 
that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. This scene provides for us a type, the clue of which is found in its measurements of 666. But then the storyline captures the meaning of each six. The first six is identified with the religion of man and the use of religion essentially as a tool to demand the exaltation and worship of mankind, or specifically, the worship of a man. Reaching back into our study in the book of Jude, specifically Jude 11, and to its connection with 1 John 2.16, passion for religion and the exaltation or worship of man represents the lust of the flesh depicted in the apostasy of Cain. The second six is identified as the lust for money and riches, and that this image was 66 cubits high and six cubits wide, and it was made entirely of gold. It is believed that a cubit was approximately 18 inches, which would mean this statute was 99 feet high and nine feet wide. Can you imagine the quantity of gold that was required to create this statue? Again, reaching back into our study in the book of Jude, this passion for riches depicts the lust of the eyes, depicted in the apostasy of Balaam. The third six is identified as governmental power and authority. With the king holding the power of life and death in his hands, but whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. This passion for power and authority over the people represents the boastful pride of life depicted in the apostasy of Korah. Collectively, in this story, there are three components which give meaning to the number 666. Religion, six. Riches, six. Governmental power and authority, six. All represented by the lust of the flesh, Cain, the lust of the eyes, Balaam, and the boastful pride of life, Korah. The second instance in the Codex that reveals information about the number 666 comes from the story of King Solomon. Solomon was the third king of Israel and was the son of King David. It would be somewhat of an understatement to simply say that Solomon's kingdom was great and glorious, for it was magnificent, the golden age of the nation of Israel. 1 Kings 10, 23-25 So King Solomon became greater than all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. All the earth was seeking the presence of Solomon to hear the wisdom which God had put in his heart. They brought every man his gift, articles of silver and gold garments, weapons, spices, horses, and mules, so much year by year. Second Chronicles 9.13 Now the weight of gold which came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. Yet Solomon was corrupted by his glory and his riches, and he believed that he was greater than all, even over the laws and clear instructions of Yahweh, to have no other gods before him. 1 Kings 11, 1 through 8. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Anamite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women from the nations concerning which Yahweh had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away 
after their gods. Solomon held fast to those in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. For when Solomon was old, his wife turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to Yahweh his God as the heart of David his father had been. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the detestable idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did what was evil in the sight of Yahweh and did not follow Yahweh fully as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable idol of Moab, on the mountain which is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the detestable idol of sons of Ammon. Thus also he did for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Here, again, in this story, there are three components which give meaning to the number 666. Religion, 6. Riches, 6. Governmental power and authority, 6. All represented respectively by the lust of the flesh, Cain, the lust of the eyes, Balaam, and the boastful pride of life, Korah. Solomon was king. He had the power and authority to do as he willed as the nations of the earth cowered before his kingdom and bestowed upon him glory and riches. Solomon amassed these riches for himself, including an annual tally of 666 talents of gold. Coincidence? I think not. It's as if Solomon became so punch drunk with glory and power and riches that he could not help but bring worship and religion into the fold. He not only built houses of worship for other gods, he personally worshipped Ashtoreth, Milcom, and Moloch. And believe it or not, this man of great wisdom built a temple to the beast, to Chemosh, the avatar through which the destroyer represented himself to man. And he built it right next to the temple of Yahweh. And Solomon worshipped the beast. It is beyond ironic that King Solomon, who is traditionally known as a great king of Israel, and the wisest man who ever lived, that he became a super apostate, a servant of the beast. Solomon was literally a servant of the destroyer. To accumulate unto himself wives, gold or silver, as it would corrupt his heart. Yet that is exactly what happened with Solomon. This man who ruled the nation of Israel with such wisdom, sarcasm noted, became an idolater. And along with his many foreign wives worshipped in the temples of their foreign gods, which he funded and built with the wealth of the nations that was handed over to him. And he forsake Yahweh his God and prostituted himself with demons. Solomon's identification with 666 began the long decline of Israel, and subsequently Israel and Judah into apostasy, which ultimately led to their destruction which just so happens to be the name of the beast. By examining where the codex reveals the number 666, we can have the wisdom needed to calculate, discern, or clearly understand that the number of his name is marked by the apostasies of Cain, the lust of the flesh, Balaam, the lust of the eyes, and Korah, the boastful pride of life. Religion, six. Riches, six. Governmental power and authority, six.
to get a refresher on these three apostasies, it might be good to go back and listen to or read the Jude episodes, which provided us with the prelude to the book of Revelation. But in short, Cain wanted to be good through his own means and not through the means established by God, the lust of the flesh. Balaam was seduced and corrupted by his lust for money, the lust of the eyes. And keep in mind, Balaam utilized religion, the gods of the Moabites, to obtain his great wealth. Korah wanted to not just rule, but to be the ruler and to displace Moses, the leadership established by God. This is the boastful pride of life. As such, the beast even now works through religion, through government, and through riches or wealth. And when the beast does come to possess the man we call the Antichrist, these three core components will be attached to the activities of the man as he rises to power and authority in the earth. This is wisdom. The calculation of the number of the beast is religion plus wealth plus governmental power and authority equals 666. King Nebuchadnezzar and Solomon set the typology as they brought a synchronistic union between religion, 6, great wealth, 6, and governmental authority, 6. This is the same pattern that will be present in the kingdom of the beast, for 666 is the number of his name. Should not be surprised that King Nebuchadnezzar ruled over the kingdom of Babylon, as Babylon represents the religion of man, especially the religion of Christianity, and its corrupting influence, leading great men and women the world over into lives marked by apostasy and religious licentiousness. New Testament Analysis of 666 Out of the 3,000 nouns in the Greek New Testament, only two calculate to the number 666. By the way, the New Testament was written in Greek. Therefore, there does not have to be any weird jumps back and forth between languages or cultures to calculate the number of these nouns. In Greek, they did not have numbers per se. Rather, numerals were based on the alpha letters. The numeric construct goes from 1 through 10 and then increases from 10 to 100 by 10s, then from 100 to 1,000 by 100s. This is what is called the Greek gematria. The following table illustrates this for you. If you download the transcript, you can see this complete table of the Greek gematria. Using this table, we can easily calculate the number of names. For instance, the name of Jesus calculates to the number 888. In Greek, Jesus' name is spelled I-E-S-O-U-S. -S. Iota, the number 10. Eta, 8. Sigma 200, Omicron 70, Upsilon 400, Sigma 200. 10 plus 8 plus 200 plus 70 plus 400 plus 200 equals 888. And according to the code, 8 is the number of new beginnings. And in the name of Jesus, it is used three times, with three bringing the number of perfection, attributable to the perfection of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, Jesus' name in the Greek gematria means a perfect new beginning. Using the same methodology, the first word that calculates to 666 is paradosis, which is translated as tradition. This word is used in connection with religious traditions of men. For example, the religious traditions of the oral law taught by the rabbis, as well as the tradition, the doctrine, or instruction 
that was handed down by the apostles to the church. Jesus expresses great disdain for the religious traditions of men that were taught as the precepts of God. The second word that calculates 666 is eupria, which is translated as wealth. This word is used when speaking about the economic trade in Ephesus and of the financial means of the disciples, which they used to aid those in Jerusalem. Putting together these two calculations, we can confirm two of the three components previously discovered in the Old Testament. Number one, the number of the beast is tied to religion, the traditions of men versus the commands of God. And two, the number of the beast is tied to wealth or riches, the wealth of the nations, which is brought into this religious construct. By the way, the third component, governmental power and authority, will be self-evident as we previously studied in this chapter. Revelation 13, 7 through 9, and it was caused to be given to him to make war with the holy ones and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was caused to be given to him. All who are now dwelling on the earth will in the future worship him, whose name has not been caused to be written in the book of life of the Lamb, who had been caused to being slain from the foundation of the world. Buy and sell, recapitulation. In the world of religion, it has always been true that those who control the rules have the power, for they determine what is good and acceptable before God, and who is and who is not following those rules. And those who have the power always find ways to demand the money. Sadly, in the realm of religion, like the realm of the world, we tend to believe that those who are successful in having big and well-funded ministries are, by definition, blessed by God. And while that may be, God may have blessed them, that is a huge presumption. In truth, it could very well be a sign that those who are in control and who have garnished the wealth of the people are participants in the system of the beast, the system of religious tradition and wealth in which they have been allowed to buy and sell because, because they bear the mark. This will be explored in depth in Revelation 18 in the destruction of Babylon, which is a picture of the woman, a demonic spirit, who rides the beast in which all the traders and dealers in religion are pictured, rooted in Babylon. The number 666 and all its attributes of religion, wealth, and governmental power and authority are all rooted in ancient Babylon, which is why Babylon is used as code for a corrupt but extremely powerful apostate religious system. Babylon is believed to be the source of all idolatry. Hence in code, this woman of apostasy is called the mother of all harlots and abominations of the earth. With that said, it is interesting to note that the Greek method of giving numbers to alpha characters was passed down from the days of ancient Babylon. The Babylonians created the system. The Babylonians used a mathematical system that was based on the number 60, hence 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 360 degrees, 60 times 6, in a circle, and 60 degrees in an angle of a unilateral triangle. 360 is also calculated as follows, 6 times 6 times 10, or 36 times 10. What is important to note is that this whole system was not just mathematical, but to them it was spiritual. In their system of worship, the Babylonians had 36 supreme gods, which included the sun god, who is believed to be the father of all gods. They also believed that numbers had power over the gods, so they assigned their 36 gods numbers, with the sun god being number one. 
And if you add up the numbers of their 36 gods sequentially, you get the number 666. One plus two plus three plus four plus five plus six plus seven plus eight plus nine plus ten plus eleven plus twelve plus thirteen plus fourteen plus fifteen plus sixteen plus seventeen plus eighteen plus nineteen plus twenty plus twenty one plus twenty two plus twenty three plus twenty four plus twenty five plus twenty six plus twenty seven plus twenty eight plus twenty nine plus thirty plus thirty one plus thirty two plus thirty three plus thirty four plus thirty five plus thirty six equals six six six. Coincidence? Not a chance. And because they saw their gods as predominantly evil, they feared them and therefore sought protection through the numbers. Thus, they made amulets with a six by six matrix with the numbers one through 36 on them. The numbers were arranged such that the sum of any given row, column, or diagonal was 111, since some good qualities were attributed to the sun god represented by the number one. And this is how they sought his favor over the other gods who were deemed to be more evil than the sun god, as indicated by the calculation above. The sum of all six rows and all six columns is 666. Again, if you download the transcript, I have some images of these amulets and tablets. So if you are listening to the podcast, you might want to download the transcript because these tables and these images, they'll blow your mind. The point is that the number 666 came from the religious practices of the Babylonians and their astrological practices. And since Babylon is the ultimate biblical symbol of apostate religion, we can be assured that its influence has been passed down through the ages and still is alive and well in our day and age of religious apostasy. And this is why the Spirit in Revelation 18.4 commands the people of God to come out of Babylon to flee her and not to participate in her sins. The number 666 is rooted in religious tradition, which peddles its power and influence to gain vast amounts of wealth from the peoples of the world. And when mixed with a king or with great governmental power and authority, its combination is toxic and deathly. It's lethal. This is true whether it comes in the form of Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon, Solomon's kingdom, the cultic emperor worships of the Caesars, the practice of the Nicolaitans, which we studied in the letters to Ephesus and Pergamum, or in the empire of the beast. Sadly, modern-day Christendom functions much in the same manner as these historical centers of power, wealth, and influence. And many who hold to the religion of Christianity are simply waiting for a king, their Messiah, to arise and give them even greater power and authority over the people and a life of abundance and blessing. We will see this again when we get to Revelation 17 through 18. This is wisdom. The calculation of the number of the beast is religion plus wealth plus governmental power and authority equals 666. Summary, Revelation 13, 11 through 18. There is so much in this section, and it involves our now, which is completely mind-blowing giving the many fictions to which we have largely been indoctrinated. People are waiting for a mark, but lo and behold, it's already here and has been here for centuries. It is a mark which speaks of the adherence to the apostate system of governmental power and authority, religion, and wealth. To summarize this chapter, the following were the key points. The second beast even now causes fire to come down from heaven, and he now performs great wonders to deceive many. 
The image of the beast is even now located where it should not be found, in the holy place, in the sanctuary, in the middle of Christendom, though not all may see it. The image of the beast is given breath, and it speaks, though all will not hear its voice. Those who do not worship the beast might be killed. People are even now marked with the number and have been marked every moment of now for centuries. The mark is a spiritual mark. The mark is non-discriminatory as all classes of people are marked, though not all people are or will be marked. The second beast administers the mark, but it is a choice to receive the mark. Not everyone takes the mark. The mark opens up the markets of religion and wealth and great authority over people. And without the mark, one does not prosper in the demonic economies of our world, unless, of course, they have approval of God, who does as he wills through whom he wills. The mark is personal to each person. It is their mark. When placed on the head, the mark speaks of devotion to the kingdom of the beast. When placed on the right hand, it speaks of one's power and strength being given over to the kingdom of the beast. Here is wisdom to now calculate the number of the beast. The number is the number of a man, six, and it provides the identifying attributes of the kingdom of the beast as it plays out in the physical realm of humanity. Religion and the religious traditions of men, the apostasy of Cain expressed in the lust of the flesh, six. Great wealth garnished from the peddling of its religious traditions and from its authoritative rule through the religions of men. The apostasy of Balaam, expressed in the lust of the eyes. Six, authority, rule, kingship, governmental power. The apostasy of Korah, expressed in the boastful pride of life. Six, despite the intensity and proliferation of these three components. Six, six, six. The result will always be perfect incompletion. The number of man, the number of the name of the beast is not and never will be enough. Takes his seat in the temple. With this understanding, it should now make sense that the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, who now opposes and now exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, takes his seat of authority in the sanctuary of God now displaying himself through the image as now being God, is the abomination of desolation. And sadly, far too many who praise the name of Jesus are praising only an image, a false Jesus that has been standing in the sanctuary of God, a Jesus that always finds a way to proclaim a gospel that perverts the grace of God with some element of law with the work of the hands. If they refuse to repent, one day they will hear, depart from me, I never knew you. Or as Jesus said to those in Sardis, their works were never performed before the face of the Father. With his attachment to power, control, religion, and wealth, the beast takes his authority, his seat from within the household of God, the sanctuary being the body of Christ, and uses the religion of Christianity, Mystery Babylon, to garnish for himself the worship of man. This is wisdom. This is the calculation. Let's stop here and we'll pick up in our next podcast with Revelation 14. I'm glad you tuned in and have been ready to listen. To get a free download of the full written transcript with all the scripture references footnoted, 
please go to threshermediagroup.com. That is T-H-R-E-S-H-E-R mediagroup.com. This is Steve with Thresher Media Group. When you're ready to listen, tune in.